fresh eggs, help with your compost, and if you're so inclined, some meat. Keeping chickens is possibly one of the most obvious homesteading skills you might want to learn. So where should you start? Welcome to the Homesteading Roller Coaster. My name is Ilaria and in this podcast I share my family's adventures on Tatum Hills Farm, our property on Nanowal Country, just outside of Canberra, Australia. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. In this podcast, we discuss anything to do with farm life, homesteading, sustainable living, growing your own and much more. So let's get started. We've been keeping chickens since we bought our very first home in town. And that is uh, over 12 years ago, 13 years ago now. So we've had quite a few and when we first got them, we just wanted the eggs. We've never been interested in the meat. And even though we're animal people, I must say I was really surprised at how entertaining and lovable these little things are. So I definitely would encourage you, if you have even a small backyard, once you've checked with your council that you can keep chickens, I would definitely encourage you to take the plunge. They are such a fun addition to anybody's garden. It's definitely worth uh, the initial setting up effort. So yes, the setting up is just like with every new addition to your homestead is a crucial part of it. Chickens can be a great help in the garden, but if you don't set them up for success, they can actually become very disruptive. They tend to scratch your soil and they will eat the majority of uh, small plants that they find in their path. Of course, if they're turning your compost with their scratching and they're eating your weeds, that's fantastic. But if they're uprooting your newly planted trees or they're eating all your lettuces, that's clearly not as much fun. So before you even consider getting chickens, you'll need to think about where you're going to put them. And of course, just like any animal, their basic needs are pretty simple. They need shelter, protection from predators, water and food and company. Keeping one chicken alone, I think it's actually illegal here in our area in Australia. Uh, but even if it isn't illegal in your area, you definitely should consider having at least a small flock. Um, they do love being together. And I recommend starting with three as opposed to two, because that way, if one dies or is ill and you have to separate them, you will at least still have two together. The first thing you might want to consider is what kind of chickens would be best suited for you. And that will depend on what you would like to have them for. If you just want them as pets or for looking good in your garden, then you might go for more pretty breeds that are not necessarily really good layers. But if you want the eggs, then you might want to consider some better layers. And if you're after the meat, some bigger breeds might be best for you. Now, there's a lot of heritage breeds that are called dual purpose, so they're pretty good layers and they're a reasonable size, so you get some meat if you want to eat them. 
Now, I don't process birds. We don't kill anybody on our farm. So if you're particularly interested in the processing of the birds, this may not be the podcast for you. We totally understand if you're eating chicken, eating chicken that you've raised yourself is certainly a great environmentally friendly option. And also hopefully they've had a much happier life than they would have had in an industrial setting. But that's just not our choice. So I basically know next to nothing about killing and processing and eating chickens or any other animal. So sorry if you're here for that, you might have to find a different podcast. However, if you're here for pets or eggs um, or just having some pretty birds around, hopefully you'll find something useful here. So I recommend when you're choosing a breed, before you go online or on books, looking for all the wonderful breeds that exist, I would recommend looking at what's available in your area. And that's because you might find some amazing breeds and then they're just not available in your area or even in your country, especially if you're in Australia, some breeds just don't exist here. And so you will set up yourself for um, sadness and disappointment. So instead, have a look around. In our area, there are a lot of really nice Facebook groups of um, chicken keepers and poultry keepers that are a really good starting point. You can look for breeders or you can look for hatcheries. Those would be your two points of call. So hatcheries, the chickens are hatched in a more commercial setting in great numbers. And then their babies, usually are one day old, they get shipped around and you can buy them that way or they can send to, to shops and other places where they grow up and you can buy them a little bit older. Now, if you buy babies, that's really cute. The little chicks are so fluffy and adorable, but it is a lot more work. They will need a heat source and they will need um, to be kept indoors and to be cleaned a lot because beyond the second or third day of life, little chicks make a huge amount of mess and they smell. So if you're thinking of keeping them in your house, just be prepared that you'll have a few weeks of a lot of work and chicken smell in your house. This may or may not be something you will enjoy. Also, the little chicks are very cute for about a week and then they start to grow feathers and they look all scruffy. And, you know, they're not any less lovable, but they're not as adorable and cute. And to be honest, they're starting to need a bit of space. So if you have them in a small box in your house, they might get a little sad. So that's one option to get day old. The other problem with that is that you're not entirely sure what gender you're getting. And a lot of people don't want roosters. And in some areas, you're not allowed to keep roosters. So that's going to be an issue. Supposedly, you can buy sexed chicks. And so that would mean that they have uh, been sexed. So somebody who supposedly knows what they're doing has checked what gender they are when they were born. Um, even the people who do that, they'll tell you that this is more of an art than a science. And, and so often they will say that this sexing is 70% accurate. That means if you buy 10 chicks, you're likely to get three roosters, which in an area where you can't keep roosters, that's really three too many. So you need to think about it. What are you going to do if you end up with roosters? And the same problem you might encounter if you decide to get eggs and hatch them at home. 
What are you going to do with the roosters? A lot of people don't think about it and then they get all surprised when suddenly their cute little chicks start crowing and then they're in a great big hurry to get rid of them. So there are lots of options. You know, you can give them to someone to eat or somebody there in our area, they give them to the local reptile center for the reptiles to eat. You know, if you're comfortable with that, that is totally fine. But if you want to find them a home when they will not get eaten, those homes are few and far between. So all of our spare roosters, we either keep or we very slowly find them safe homes. But that takes a very long time. We had 17 spare roosters in a bachelor pen at one point. So um, we've got the room to do that and it's all good, although the neighbours did tell us they could hear a lot of crowing. Thank you, neighbours, if you're listening. We really appreciate you being so patient. But overall, not many people can have that many spare roosters. So please be responsible and think about the consequences of what you're doing ahead of time so that you can cater for your animals, be it in a pot or giving them a good home or whatever you're comfortable with. But you will need to think about that. So that's what you're going to face if you choose to have young chicks and raise them. The other option is to buy what's called point of lay. And those are chickens that are known to be girls because by now they're old enough to be successfully sexed. And they are, depending on the breed, they will be four or six months old and they are just about to start laying. So you get them and within a few weeks you should really start to get eggs. So that's a much quicker way of getting to eggs if that's your aim. And also those chickens are still a little bit small but they're as hardy as an adult in terms of being outside and so on. So you can um, put them outside, they don't need any special light, they're fully feathered, they can cope with most weathers within reason, so they're a lot easier to take care of. In terms of bonding with your chickens, if you're nice to them, you bring them treats, you're going to bond with them at any age. And having said that though, we have only ever had maybe a couple of chickens that were happy to be picked up and held. Our chickens have got a lot of space and they do get a little bit wild. You know, they will all come running when they see us because they want food, but when it comes to grabbing them, they're not that thrilled. Um, occasionally we have had one. We've got one girl that passed away just recently. She was eight years old. Her name was Amy. And even though we treated her like we treat everybody else, she, I guess she just liked us better. And she was always happy to have a pat and she was always happy to have a cuddle. And uh, at one point we had a great big huge rooster by the name of Oscar and he was also very friendly. We did have to rehome him though because it was just too rough on our hands. So we had to rehome him to a home that had larger breeds so that he could be um, as friendly with them as he wanted without hurting them. So just consider what age you would like and then have a look at what breeds are available in your area and then make your choice based on what's available. Also, if you're looking for um, birds that are going to be living outside, as I hope you are, because that's certainly preferable for them, um, and you're going to give them a little bit of space, I would recommend choosing the utility breeds or, or the utility version of a breed. So any breed would have, or not any, but a lot of breeds would have more of a utility version and more of a show version. So the show version has been bred and selected for being 
really pretty and really fantastic and win ribbons, but not necessarily for hardiness. Whereas the same breed, the utility type, is still the same breed, so still has the same general characteristics, but it will be bred for hardiness, maybe by backyard breeders. I can't comment for elsewhere, but for the area where we are in, backyard breeders are always my choice because their birds are hardier, they're a bit more straight wise, and if I put them in my pen, which is 800 square meters of orchard and veggie garden and whatnot, they are pretty happy and they cope very well, including with all the parasites and bugs that they get from the wild birds coming in and so on. Whereas a more, um, a more delicate animal might not do quite as well in my environment. So again, try to pick animals that have come from an environment similar to where you would like to keep them so that they've been adapting to that environment from gener for generations. So once you've got your birds, or in fact, before you actually get the birds, but once you know where you're going to get them from, then you have to start thinking about where you're going to keep them. Now, birds and chickens are animals that are going to be susceptible to predators. I know in places like America, there's uh, raccoons and coyotes and whatnot. I'm sorry, we're in Australia. I don't have any experience with those. I can tell you about foxes. We have plenty of those here and that's the main predator that we are trying to work against. Uh, there are also some aerial predators. So we have crows that can get chicks and we also have eagles and hawks. Uh, we don't have a huge amount of eagles and we've got eagles but they, they don't come into our pens because we've got lots of tree cover and the same with the hawks. But for the crows, we do have to be mindful of the eggs and the chicks, but they don't bother the larger birds. So when we build our pens, our main concern is foxes, keeping the foxes out. To do that, we need to consider that a fox can both climb and dig. So we just use wire in an L shape on the ground. So the idea being that the fox will start digging at the base of your fence and it will find that there's more wire on the ground there. So we just position them in an L shape and weigh them down until the grass goes through the horizontal part of the fence. And then once the grass has gone through, the fence is not moving and it becomes quite secure. And with this method, we've never had really anything digging in. We do have wombats, which other people have found to be an issue. They dig into their pens and then, of course, they leave a giant hole for any other, other predator to go in. The wombats are not a predator, they're herbivores, but they might just go in there looking for veggies and then they just leave this huge highway for anybody else to get in as well. We've been really lucky, even though we've got heaps of wombats here, they don't seem interested in digging in our pens or through our pens because they're very strong and they can get through the wire. So um, I guess that they're content with being under the house for one and in other areas around us. So that's something to consider. Then we make our pens at least two meters high um, and um, we have a fairly strong wire on the bottom part so a fox can't chew through it. And then the top part of the fence, uh, the top half, 
we use a thinner wire, partially because it's a bit cheaper, but also because that way it's flimsier. So if something tries to climb, it's easy to climb a thicker wire that is more uh, steady and it doesn't wobble quite as much. Whereas we add flimsier wire at the top that saves us a bit of weight and a bit of cost, but also hopefully repels anything that's trying to climb up because it becomes really wobbly. The last part of our fence is another, a part that's completely detached from the vertical side of the fence and it comes out towards the external side of the fence. So um, there is an overhang and that is really helpful because again, if you're a fox and you're trying to climb up, you kind of find yourself caught in this overhang and you're not able to go over the fence. So with this method, we have never had an issue, never had a predator get to our chickens, apart from once when we left the door wide open. So there you go. If you build all this fence, you really do need to close your doors. Otherwise, the predator will still get in. So anyway, we learned that lesson the very hard way. Um, but most of the time, well, in fact, every other time in nine years, we've made sure we've closed the gates. And underneath our gates, obviously, that's a weak point. So we either put a large sheet of um, netting, of metal netting again, the same one that we use for building the pen. We just put that on the ground to uh, make sure that nothing can dig under the door. Or other times we've dug a bit of a trench and we've filled it with concrete. Either way works, but you've got to be conscious of the fact that you don't have that L-shape fence underneath your, um, underneath your doors and so you need to make sure you protect that. Same with above the door. A door is a structure that is quite solid, so it's probably quite a bit easier for a fox to climb. And so again, make sure you have the overhang on top of the door or you have, for example, in one of my doors, I've put a sheet of corrugated iron in front so that it's slippery and nothing can climb up. So just be conscious of the doors. Obviously, those are your weak points and make sure you have a secure latch on them. Then within that enclosure, you need to put some night area where they can have some perches. Chickens like to go up high at night and you will need to give them some shelter, mostly from the wind and the rain. They're not too fast about cold to a point. So that will depend on your area. I know there's a lot of um, YouTubers that I follow who live in very cold areas of America or Canada, and they need to worry about how cold it gets in those areas. Chickens can get frostbite on their comb or on their wattle, for where we are, the lowest we get to is minus 8 degrees Celsius. Um, never below that, I don't think, and that's already quite extreme. So for those temperatures, we find our chickens are fine in the kind of homes that I'll describe in a minute. But certainly if you are in a very cold area, then you will need to get information local to you to make sure that your chickens are nice and warm in winter. They don't mind the cold as much as they do the heat. We get to about 40, maybe 45 degrees Celsius here and they certainly are very hot at those times. You need to make sure they have plenty of cool water in the shade and plenty of shade for themselves. They also feel more secure under cover. So having some cover in the sense of trees 
or maybe some shade sails, it's always a good idea. You can also have some structures for them and make sure that in summer they're well ventilated so things don't get stuffy. But in winter, the thing that you need to protect them from the most is wind and drafts. So our pens for the night are literally just uh, some pallets are put in a U-shape on the ground. So you have one for the back and two for the sides. And this is a modular structure that you can build as big as you like. We have some larger ones. And then we just use natural branches of at least a five centimeter diameter to put across the structures for them to perch on. This works really well for us. And it's a pretty good shelter. We put corrugated iron over the top um, for roof. And also we put some corrugated iron on the back. And we make sure that the open side is facing against the prevailing winds. So that side is a sheltered side anyway. Our main pen is facing a row of trees on the eastern side. So that's a very sheltered area because our main winds are coming from the north or the west. So um, the, those sides are fully protected. And um, that's all you need to do. We have dirt floors, which are very easy to clean because they pretty much compost down. The chickens poo a lot when they're on the perches at night. So the dirtiest spot in your whole enclosure will be under the perches. We just throw extra hay in there and it will compost down slowly. And then maybe once or twice a year as needed, we scrape it off. The downside with this kind of enclosure is that it's made of wood and that can harbor mites and other parasites. But that is an issue really with most, um, with most type of, of enclosures. Even plastic ones can have mites living in them. So you will need to control those regardless of the enclosure. If you want, you can spray paint your wooden enclosures and that will close off some of the gaps that the wood naturally has and make, make them a little bit less appealing to parasites. And then other than that, the only other downside is that because we've only made them uh, one pallet tall, as humans, we can't fit in there. So you have to bend down rather awkwardly under the perches to scrape them off. But because, like I said, we only do that once or twice a year, it's not a huge problem. If you do make them higher so that you can walk in there, I would still recommend not putting the perches really high, probably about half a meter to a meter high at the most. A lot of people will have ramps for chickens. We used to have it in a previous home. We had a ramp for our chickens and they were perching a good meter and a half off the ground. And they always walked up the perch, but they never came down. Sorry, they always yeah, walked up using the ramp, but they never came off the perch using the ramp again. They would just fly down. And as you know, chickens don't fly all that well. So that can actually hurt their feet every day if they're flying off the perch, especially if the landing is a hard surface, such as a concrete floor of your barn or your enclosure. So instead, if they're flying on, I guess, grass or hay, that might be better. But just to be safe, I would recommend having the perches quite low, maybe a meter. And um, that's really all you need in terms of their enclosure. They will need a place to nest. Um, you can provide nesting boxes and there are lots of different types. 
But for us, what we found is just the dog kennels from the tip shop. So we have um, a place where people dispose of their garbage and also um, give away things that they no longer need. And you can buy them for an extremely low price. And you're also providing a recycling service in a way. Um, these dog kennels that we use are plastic, so they last forever. And we find them really convenient. The chickens like to nest in them. We also split them and tip them upside down. So out of one dog kennel, we'll take the roof off and put it on the ground. And then we'll take the base and turn it upside down and put it on the ground as well. And those make another two nesting boxes. Or in our case, they also serve for guinea pig night quarters because we have lots of free guinea pigs roaming around with the chickens and that's a whole other podcast in itself so try to be clever try to see what's available you don't have to go and spend a lot of money in fact some enclosures that you can buy in the pet shops or that you can spend literally thousands of dollars purchasing they are not very durable they're not really well suited to being outside and often they're not predator proof which of course is a big issue and um, so once you've got all of this in place you are pretty much set to get your chickens of course you still need some water and some food for them water is very easy all you need is a container that they can't easily tip over and you're good to go just make sure you have quite a good amount of water chickens drink quite a lot and also that you have enough for all chickens to be able to reach. So if you have youngsters, make sure that the water bowl is low enough for them to be able to access it. And if you think you might have some chickens that are being bullied by others and so on, you might want to make sure you have water in several places so that you don't end up with a chicken who is bullied away from the water. The food... And again, any container will do, although you need to be worried about vermin. So there are, uh, you can get uh, rats or mice or, I don't know, I guess in other areas there might be squirrels or other animals that might come and get your food. So um, there are some trade-off feeders that you can try. The ones that we have are quite expensive and I resisted buying them for a long time and I was just so silly. I should have bought them. Um, earlier because they work beautifully. The chickens learn really quickly how to step on the uh, pedal and open the lid and access the food and it helps because you have both less wastage and also you have less vermin. So that is certainly a worthwhile investment. The downside of those is that they don't really like at least my chickens they don't really like it if I put mixed grain in it they will just pick at the good ones and leave the rest so what we do we give them layer pellets a good layer pellet should have around 17% protein the more protein the more expensive the pellet so sometimes you might feel inclined to buy a cheaper pellet, but that actually has less protein. So if your chickens are laying well, you'll need to give it at least a 17%. Having said that, 
You don't want to go too high, so I wouldn't go beyond maybe 20 for chickens. Um, game birds and peacocks, they need higher, and turkeys as well. But if you just have chickens in your flock, I would stick between 17 and 20% protein. And so that would be a really good amount and you give them the pellets and all you put in the feeder is pellets and they're all uniform so they don't have to pick and choose anything that's what they're getting however I don't think that's all they should be eating that's all I'm putting in the feeder I also have grain mixed grains you can soak them you can sprout them you can give them to them dry that's up to you of course if you soak them or sprout them there will be more nutrition in your grain and it will make it go further. I sometimes do, sometimes I don't because of course it is more work to do it than to just give it as is. But either way, I think including some grain in your chicken's diet is a great idea. I just scatter it on the ground and that really keeps them entertained. They enjoy searching for it. And they're often called scratch mixes for that reason because it encourages the chickens to scratch about. But about 50, probably even more percent of our chickens diet is kitchen scraps. So we collect our kitchen scraps from ourselves, our family, a larger family and from our neighbors and community and we feed them that. There are various schools of thought about what is suitable and what isn't suitable. Some people say no onions, some people say no avocado, some people say no coffee grounds. We just found that pretty much anything goes as long as they have enough choice and as long as that is not their only source of food, we've never had an issue. So we just give them anything and whatever is not being used is just turns into compost and also like I said we also have the guinea pigs in there we also have ducks so between the three of them somebody will usually eat the scraps and the rest just turns into compost and we actually use the chickens as a part of our composting system and that's episode two I think of our podcast so you can go back and listen to how we do that but for, as far as chicken keeping is concerned, I definitely recommend that you should be using your kitchen scraps to feed to your chickens. It's a great way of recycling. It's a great cheap way of feeding your chickens and your chickens will be much healthier for it because they'll get a much varied, more varied diet. And that's really all there is to it. You might want to choose to free range your chickens and I think that's a brilliant idea if it is safe to do so. We used to do that in town. Whenever we were home, we would let them out of the fairly large enclosure. Here, we've just chosen to make a very large enclosure there in 800 square meters because there are just too many predators. So have a look. Hopefully, this gives you a good starting point of some information. I would, however, recommend that you really do connect with your local chicken keeping groups because they will have some information that is specific and relevant to your area. If you are in the Canberra area, you might want to check out our website www.tatumhillsfarm.com.au because we regularly run chicken keeping workshops and then we can give you more information specifically tailored to our Canberra area, Ngunnawal country. 
here in Australia and also you get to come and visit our farm and have a look at our enclosures and our birds and we can discuss everything in a bit more detail. Either way, I really hope you get into chickens. They're a fantastic addition to any homestead. They're a lot of fun. They're just very sweet and um, they just do so much good work for us. And that's it for another episode of the Homesteading Roller Coaster. If you enjoyed the content, we'd love it if you subscribed. We'd also really appreciate a rating and review on your podcast platform. Or send us a message. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Tatum Hills Farm. That's T-A-T-U-M Hills Farm. Or on our website at www.tatumhillsfarm.com.au. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you.